This is just a reminder. This is something that I've come across a number of times in my career as an entrepreneur, but it absolutely is true. If you know that you don't have the right people in the right seats, you should really look into changing that and getting the right people in the right seats. We've had a lot of turnover in some of our companies in the last six months or so, and a lot of it had to do with underperformance and me wanting to give people the opportunity to be able to, quote unquote, grow into the position. Since we've replaced them and found other people to be able to be in those positions, those opportunities, those areas have absolutely flourished. So don't be afraid to make that change when you see things not happening, no matter how much you might want to keep kicking the can down the road. On Invest in Square Feet, we unlock the secrets of wealthy entrepreneurship. I'm Matt Shields, and my mission is to help business owners just like you protect your wealth so that you can invest passively into multifamily real estate. And speaking of investing passively in multifamily real estate, if you are looking to learn more about that, head over to Invest in Square Feet and sign up for our monthly trainings where we walk our potential investors through some of the knowledge that you need to have as a passive investor in the multifamily industry. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that does not get covered nearly, nearly enough. And it's something that pretty well all entrepreneurs are going to face at one time or another, and they may not even realize that they're facing this. The questions that we're going to answer today is, are you pushing yourself toward burnout? We're going to learn the hidden signs that high achievers normally will start portraying when they are on their path toward burnout. And we're going to learn how to identify them and what to do when you are in those situations or even have your loved ones listen to this episode so that they can understand whether or not you might be going through a burnout situation and they can help identify those particular situations. So with that, let's get on to the show. The interesting thing about high performers like yourself is that high performers naturally can actually go through burnout whilst not knowing they're in burnout. Right. right? They, yeah. actually, they can actually do that because, I mean, I don't know if you, under, you know what human design is, but there are all sorts of personality profile testings. And so my wife's what's called a manifesting generator. And so that archetype has the ability to generate a huge amount of energy. And we're not talking about fitness. We're talking about this natural drive that you were just born with and so you have this ability but then what start multiple things start happening so intrinsically things can start happening like you get very used to your quality of sleep right you get very used to certain pains you get very used to your mood fluctuations it's what i call unconscious incompetency you get used to things and you think that it's normal right and you're so focused on your goal, you're not even preparing yourself to how other people run because you're just, this is just how, how I am and I'm fine. It's your fine though, right? Then the other things is on the outside, your relationships, right? They start distancing a little bit. You feel like you can't trust people 100% anymore because you haven't spent the time to cultivate that. Maybe the marriage or those relationships, they're just, they're not fluid. And again, the high performer will be like, oh, that's just normal. It's normal to argue with my wife every day, or it's normal 
for this thing to happen that everyone else is saying is bad. And so what often high performers do, because they dare think there's a problem, they normalize problems. Yeah, that makes sense. Right? Until then your hair starts falling out or you get that call from the doctor, right? Or something really, I had a, a good friend's father who, you know, was always so happy and chirpy and driven and worked really hard. And, and then he, all his hair just fell out. Wow. Yeah. Eyebrows as well. Everyone thought he had like cancer or something and it wasn't. It was a stress induced. It's your body saying, listen, I'm trying every way to tell you to change how you're running me and you're not listening. So I need to do something drastic. And that's what happens is the signs get more extreme until you listen. Mm-hmm. And my goal is to, is to try and educate because I don't want you to wait that long because sometimes that sign is unrecoverable. And if you get real burnout, that can take years to come back from that. Years. Yeah. Right. And that's if you do what you need to do to recover. And then you, doesn't matter how clever you are, doesn't matter how motivated you are, you won't physically or mentally be able yeah. to do what you want to do. Yeah. So what are some of the, the steps that we can take to you know, help make sure that we're, I guess, not going down the burnout path, make sure that we are taking care of ourselves. What's some of that advice that... I mean, it's a big question, but I would yeah. say the most important thing. So I run a, a training called Running the Business of You, and I developed this for this mindset because, like, let's say we just talk about business owners, entrepreneurs, right? Entrepreneurs understand the construct of a business. They understand SOPs. They understand company culture. They understand cash flow. They understand profit and loss. They understand these concepts. So I turn those concepts into the roles within yourself. And so step one, if you were to go into a business and audit that business and run a diagnostic, the first thing you'd want to be is awareness of everything. I want to just be aware of everything. I want to understand, though, if we talk about the person, I want to understand my level of energy. I want to understand my sleep, how much I'm sleeping, what my REM and my deep is. You know, so I want stats, I want data, right? I want to understand without normalizing or judging anything. I just want to literally audit my performance. So become aware of everything and then have some data about what, say, a high performer that does the same thing as me, who is happy, healthy, energized, great relationships. What are they doing that I'm not doing? So we gain, we gain data first, right? And we compare. Um, sleep's a big thing. Stress management's a big thing. Time is a big thing. The ability to put to bed the work and now be husband or wife or friend. Yeah, yeah. It's quite often these those A types. They actually think about everything all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's compartmentalizing. It's the ability to be present. So before we teach, which are habitual patterns, which takes time, we gain awareness which is kind of like sales, right? So if I want to sell you something, you need all the information so you can understand the benefit of what you're investing in. Because no A-type entrepreneur is going to invest any more time in something unless they are sold on how it's going to benefit them in what they find important. So that's my first job, is to sell to them why their time addressing this thing is going to make all the things they're striving for easier to get and way more successful. And all of the things that people complain to them about, like you're not around enough or you don't pay attention to me, that all of those things will also be addressed because you will have time to be present with yeah. your kids and your loved ones. And you will have time for your focuses. So step one is awareness. It's so interesting. Some of these things that you're talking about, like I, I keep 
reflecting back on my own life and the way that I'm interacting with those different situations. And I'm told like, I've been an entrepreneur for a long, long time, right? So I, I understand the ups and downs and, and all of that. And I don't know that I've ever told anybody this, but I feel like I have sort of, I don't want to say numbed myself, but I try to just keep an even keel, right? Where mm. I'm never like extremely excited about anything, but I'm never extremely depressed about anything either. It doesn't really matter what it is, right? So I just kind of like, you know, I go go this even flow and and the way that sort of manifests itself to other people is that I have a hard time expressing myself. I'm like, I don't think I do. I, I feel like I'm, you so know. I mean, without more information, but what sometimes happens, and I'm not saying what this is or isn't for you because I don't know enough mm -hmm. but often what busy people do that experience these emotions especially men more so than women actually is they bypass emotion mm -hmm. right they bypass it because it's like you recognize well when i feel really upset it doesn't help me progress if i feel really excited it doesn't help my progress and so that's even kill sounds good and it could be good mm -hmm. but i'd need more data right because bypassing it's a little bit like having weeds in the garden and you're like well if I dig up those weeds, my garden's going to look terrible for so long. That's going to look terrible for the neighbors. I don't want to do it. So I'm just going to put a rose bush in front of the weeds and no one will know it's there. Yeah. 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 That's a great analogy. I like that. So that's um, what happens, but yeah. that you can't avoid what will, if you are bypassing emotion, you're not going to avoid what will happen because the full expression of human emotion from furious to elated. That's the human experience. And if we deny ourselves those emotions, your body's now saying, oh, I don't need to produce these chemical messages anymore, right? So you're literally shutting down essential functions in your body that help you perform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when you are building up, stress doesn't, you can't bypass stress. So if you're not feeling it, you're still getting the chemical messages from that stress. You're still getting a buildup of cortisol. You're still getting inflammation. And you're still getting used to those things. Eventually, those things, that's the cornerstone of all disease, right? Inflammation. Yeah. So eventually, stuff starts happening. Yep. And what is scary, and I don't want to scare people that are listening to this, but really awesome, high-performing entrepreneurs that are very good at bypassing, there has to be such a massive amount of information and, and stored stress for something to happen. And when it does happen, it's big. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I imagine that's those situations that lead to the burnout that, you know, might not be recoverable from, right? You're yeah. internalizing so much of that. And But the other side of it, let's talk about the positive because I like yeah. going. The other side yeah. of it is rather than talk about all the doom and gloom that could happen, like if you think about how successful and how great you are performing right now, if you did have awareness and have a stress management strategy and a performance strategy and knew how to optimize the business of you, you're already doing well. So imagine if you were optimized, you would be doing 10 times better without any more effort. Yeah, I love it. Of that language, this is how I sold my wife on taking sleep seriously because she yeah. wasn't, she was like doing all the things like looking at her phone before bed, you know, getting up in the middle of the night to write notes down, doing all this stuff and then not sleeping well and getting stressed and relying on coffee. And the way I sold sleep strategy to her was I said, you realize that the better you sleep, the more money you're going to make, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you wake up the next day, having had ample REM and deep sleep and your sleep pressure fluids are gone, your ability to perform is 10x. And what do we know in business? If you can make really good decisions fast, mm -hmm. if you can bounce back from failure fast, if you can have the same level of focus and energy at, at 
5 p.m. is that you did at 9 a.m. All of those things and more are going to lead to a more successful business and life, yeah. obviously. And all of those things are physiological effects of how you live. Yeah, couldn't agree more. What are some of the suggestions on, you know, improving your sleep, right? Like, you know, you mentioned the no looking at your phone and like blue light glasses. What are some of the other things that... Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's a big subject. And sleep is... A lot of people think sleep is sleep strategy is just about what you do before before you go to bed. But sleep is about how you live your whole day. Okay. Consistently over time. And so... I, for a business owner, I view sleep like that secret source of the business that if it's running really well, everything's going to be fluid. Mm -hmm. So from the moment you get up in the morning, you've heard, I don't think you have that term, oh, I got up on the wrong side of bed this morning. Do you yeah, have that? Yeah, yeah so absolutely. Yeah. One day you wake up and you're in a bad mood. So yeah. nine times out of 10, that's because of what your first thought or action or attention was focused on when you first get up. So if anyone gets up in the morning and then reaches for their phone and turns the email on, you've just given away your agenda to whatever you read on your phone. And at that point, your mind is, it's not ready. It's like a cold engine, right? If I start the gas, if I, if I, my car was parked in the snow and I turned the engine on and I just went full force before the engine being lubricated and warmed up, what's going to happen? The engine's going to break, right? Have, yeah. That engine's going to have a stressful day. So it's like that with us. So how we start our day we build in a routine, which is for at least an hour, no one outside of my family in the house gets my attention. Mm -hmm. And even my family for the first 10, 15 minutes, no one else gets the attention apart from me. And what I do is I undo anything that has built up during the night. So let's say eight hours of sleep. I haven't drunken anything for eight hours, so I need to hydrate. Mm -hmm. I haven't been moving much, so I need to get the blood flow and get all that, all those liquids and stuff in my joints moving right get moving so hydrate i need to understand that my brain has been kind of quiet all night so i need to now warm it up slowly with something that's positive so whether it's journaling or meditation or I, there's a great exercise where you just write down five once you've done the work on understanding your values and who you are at your best you can write down five questions to ask yourself that bring that person out and if they're relevant to your agenda that day even better Right. And then from that point on, you're, you know, you're just warming the body up because if you prime your body, your performance is going to be better. And then, then throughout the day, we've got to think, well, what are some of the things throughout the day that do have a negative effect on my physiology or my psychology? And so one great trick for everyone, very simple, is hourly recharging. So if every hour, if you set an alarm on your phone to go off like, I don't know, 50 minutes past the hour every hour, and then for five minutes or maybe 10 minutes, you undo that previous hour. So for example, if I'm sat on my computer working for an hour, I have to understand that I'm staring at a bright screen, I'm sat down, which is not great. I'm probably not breathing deeply. I'm probably not hydrating. So all I do is stand up, move around, change my focus, hydrate, move around a little bit, do some breath work, and you will gain back some of the performance you've lost in that previous hour. If you do that every hour, you're not going to get the afternoon crash. Yeah, a lot. It sense. Yeah. Because it's rather than trying to solve a big problem by waiting till four, if you just chip away a little bit every hour, you're just keeping everything functioning, right? Yeah. And then we have to have a solid cutoff time. Like me and my wife, we finish our days, we might discuss work a little bit, and then we have an agreement. We say, right, is there anything else around work that you want to discuss? 
Okay, no, great. So from this point on, no work talk. I love it. I love that. Okay. That's, yeah, that's great. That's great in itself. That's amazing. Right, even that. So then yeah. it's just evening with partner, okay? Mm -hmm. And then food, all this kind of stuff. And then before bed, at least an hour, but ideally two, at least an hour of nothing that's going to stimulate your intellect. So be very careful with that last word. Other stimulation is fine. Um, so no screens, no TV, yeah. no computer, no phone, right? Um, no books that are learning books, like fiction's okay, but nothing that's going to get you thinking of ideas because mm -hmm. that you've, already, you've closed off the deck. Yeah. You said, I'm done. It's awesome. I'm planning for tomorrow. We're sweet. So an hour, that hour is like the opposite of the wake up. It's like, I'm going to get my brain used to the fact that at this set time, in an hour or two hours from now, it's going to get used to that it can start winding down. By the time my head hits the pillow, I'm not racing. It's yeah. ready. And after a period of time, your brain will learn that and your body will learn that. It will start producing the melatonin early. It will start winding itself down. Your body will start prepping and you'll go to bed, right? Now, there are tons of other tricks in terms of depending on your access to things. I mean, I have an infrared sauna, so I do that. And cold plunge. Do you do that with lower bed though? So yeah, but not cold plunge. So there, there's a lot of science behind. An infrared sauna is really great because it will it reduces a lot of the information, relaxes your body. But your body, your core temperature must be cool to sleep well. Mm -hmm. And so, even if your bedroom's cool, it's important to get that temperature down. So I will jump in a cold shower or a cold bath just for a cup, not like ice, just cold, just to get my core temperature back down, right? And that. What happens then is your body will, it knows, it's like, oh man, let's start pumping the hormones that we need for this time yeah. of night. Yeah. Now, obviously you might feel a bit stimulated after that cold bath, but it's different. All you're doing is you're just tricking your nervous system. So I do that, then you're a bit cold and then you get wrapped up in bed and you might do a meditation practice. There's lots of little tricks and tricks you can do. But you know, ultimately, before we start talking about tech, it's really simply your body is the most amazing tech in the universe. It will do what you teach it to do. It's just that most of us are teaching our bodies unconsciously to do things that aren't good. Yeah, I love the conscious action of saying, okay, we're done with work now, you know, you and your partner and acknowledging that, okay, there's nothing else I want to talk about. So it's nothing like, you know, you don't feel like I got to get just this a, other thing. Yeah, it's a respectful part of that relationship. And when you, we've lived and worked, we, we've been married for 10 years, but we've worked together under the same roof for like eight years. And for that to work, you've got to have some very strict boundaries about when are we work, James and Emily, and when are we husband and wife, James and Emily. Yeah. yeah. Right? Because otherwise you start disrespecting each other's agendas and things go awry. How do you, and I'm not quite sure if, well, I guess some of your clients I'm sure are in these similar situations where, you know, you might have someone in your life or maybe it's even you that is essentially addicted to their phone, right? Like all they're sitting there on the couch or whatever, and the phone is right there in your face, right? I think there's so many people that live that way. Mm -hmm. um, I guess recognizing that and accepting that is kind of the first step, but any thoughts on how you can do that or even do that for someone else and get them to recognize yeah. that, you know, you're spending way too much time staring at the screen. Yeah, it's, it's a big conversation. I mean, I, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day about the way the world's going and the lack of presence that we're getting. I mean, tech's great. Don't get me wrong. I love tech. Yeah. But there's an element of responsibility that I think that needs to be taught. And I certainly know with my, my daughter coming in February next year, 
teaching responsible use of technology rather than saying it's good or bad, but just teaching your responsibility is very important for that next generation. So listen, I would first say the most powerful way to be influential is be a role model. Because when your partner sees you benefiting from something they're not doing, they're going to get curious. So I'd say that first, because it's not your job to tell people what they can or can't do. And the most powerful way for them to do it is, is them just seeing how it's benefiting you. But there is also a conversation. So most conversations of influence or persuasion fail because people don't plan for them. They go in there with all the information and the data, and then they regurgitate that, and it doesn't work because we call it the kimono, right? If someone, if you, you walk up to someone and you want to convince them of something and you haven't even asked their permission, you've not even warned them up and you don't know what's going on in their days, you're, and their, their kimonos, metaphorical kimonos closed, you've got to open that up first, right? So yeah, if you ever build a relationship, like when we first met, you didn't pick up the phone and go, hi, James, I want you to hire me for this thing. Um, when are you ready to pay? Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, right? It's a relationship we're building. So I would say in high performance theory, there's like an 80-20 for positive, negative, influential, right? So if we can think of all of the ways and all of the benefits that are relevant to that person's joy and what they want and what they find important, and you can paint out a picture of all the ways it will benefit all of those things for them to not look at their phone all the time, and then a little bit of information of what will happen if they do continue to look at their phone, that's a good yeah. kind of metric. But you've got to be very careful with a relationship that's different to like a friend. And yeah. so I would say stick to strong boundaries. Like if me and Emily are together in the evening and she wants to stare at her phone, that's great. I'd be like, well, I'm not going to be in this room then. Or if it's the room that I was already in, you know, I would ask her if you could look at that in your in another room, please. And you'd be very strict with that, with love. No anger, no frustration. My focus is on me so that I can be a good husband. And I think this is where a lot of people get it wrong. If you're ever resentful or angry at another person for them making you feel a certain way about how they're behaving, what you have to understand is they're not making you feel upset. You're upset by the way you're perceiving that situation. Yeah, And if you're resenting them, it's because you're giving that way more attention than you're giving yourself. So imagine for a moment that you said, okay, I want to pay more attention to my sleep. Mm -hmm. My partner doesn't. So I have adult conversation with them. Say, this is how I'm going to be living my days. And I would love you to support me. I'm not asking you or telling you. I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm just saying, can you, I'd love you to support me in these routines that I'm trying. And this is how you can support me. And I'm not telling you you have to do it as well. Mm -hmm. And, and you have that solid boundary and you do it with love. And what will happen is as it's starting to benefit you, this person's going to get curious. They've got more energy. They're happier. Yeah, and they're not missing any emails. They're not missing anyone getting back to them. So even though they're not looking at their phone all the time. So there's that, right? Yeah. I mean, we could talk about this all day. Like the, the reason people get addicted to their phones, they've, they've forgotten how to make themselves happy. So they get a dopamine hit from their phones. Yeah, exactly. Right. There's a lot to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I com completely agree. And I'm glad that you brought that up because again, I think that that's, you know, something that people don't realize, you know, just how how much psychological impact you know, your phone has on your current state of mind. and, and Oh, it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. Everything your brain absorbs, everything you say, everything you hear and see is stored in your subconscious. Yep. 
So if you were to measure what you're spending your time looking at or reading and understand that is shaping your character and your habitual behavior, if you could really see the data on that, you would very quickly address how much you're looking at your phone and what you're looking at. Yeah, yeah, no, couldn't agree more. You've mentioned, obviously, sleep has been, you know, kind of one of the, the core focal points on this. And you, you mentioned that you really love tech. Do you have any recommendations for tech that, you know, helps sleep or, you know, even like you said that you established kind of the baseline, right? Mm-hmm. Are you guys using like Aura Rings or yeah. um, anything? Yeah, I mean, I'm a, da- I'm a fan of data. So I use an Aura Ring every night um, yep. because I want to know. And it was fascinating during COVID because when we didn't know what it was or isn't or whatever, it was great to study that because it was like, you know, the impacts of stress or if I have, if I did, you know, I did catch COVID at once and, you know, how does that impact my sleep? And I love doing all that because it's helped me refine my process because everyone's different, right? What works for one doesn't work for everyone. So if I can measure data that says, if this happens the night before my REMs impacted, if this happens, so if I, for example, if I have a heavy workout, I need more deep sleep to recover. So my deep sleep will be compromised a bit after a workout, which means I have to double down on the things to get my muscles relaxed. You know, I might do magnesium spray on my muscles. I might mm-hmm. have a, uh, or a salt bath or something like that. So I'm always very cautious about recommending tech because I don't want people to get addicted to another bit of tech to replace this bit of tech. You, yeah. Your body's capable of doing everything yourself and most of it's psychology. And then it's a supplement. as the same with supplements, right? Have a healthy diet and then supplement it to you know, fill in the gaps, have a healthy mindset routine and physiology routine, and then have tech to support it if you want to go another level. So yeah, Aura Ring's great. For meditation, if there are people that are like, oh, I try to do it and it's tricky for me. I sold myself a meditation by using the Muse headset because it gives me data. Okay. So that's uh, M-U-S-E, Muse. It's a headset that you wear and it plays track on your phone and then it, it literally gives you biofeedback. So when a bird chirps, you're in a really good state. When the noise that you've picked is more violent, your brain's more turned on. When it calms down, it's calmer. And then afterwards, you get data that says how much time you were present, how much time you were think. And so then that's great because you get feedback and you can play around with the routines to get yourself mastered it. Now it's like, I can just do it. In fact, I, I can give your listeners the one I created. I create a very short visualization for myself that works really well. And I'll send you the link. So I don't use a Muse headset anymore. For me, that was like the training wheels. It was the tech that got me started, right? But I am, I'm going to be getting involved in a big project that I can't talk too much about in, in the coming year that will involve tech, but it'll also involve practices and coaching and all sorts of other things. And so I mentioned the infrared sauna, right? They're really much more doable for homeowners now, right? They're, you know, they're three or four grand, which I know is an investment, but if you use an infrared sauna regularly, you know, the impact on reducing inflammation and sleep and stress, I mean, it's, it's just, there's so much data on it. It's incredible. It's a great thing to have or use. Yeah. I wouldn't go too heavy on the tech for sleep. To be honest with you, I would, I'd pay attention to your diet. I'd pay attention to the routines that we've, we've talked about. You have everything within you to sleep really well. And be patient. That's the other word that entrepreneurs yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think everybody too, right? Everybody wants, well, I did it last night, whatever I did yesterday didn't work, right? So then I'm going to give up and- Right, yeah. Else, right? And that's, yeah. The, that's the kind of the, the double-edged sword of tech is that a lot of tech is invented to cut the timeline. 
Yet the best results that you've ever had in your life that have lasted have come from giving things time. And that's the same with business. Go give it time yeah. and see that time as it's great because I'm, I'm working out what's working, what's not working, measuring the metrics, improving. And if we can fall in love with any process, whether it's our personal routines or our business routines, then we can be very, very successful and optimized and healthy. Last question here. Do you have any, I guess, what yesterday used to look like, you know, for one of your clients or somebody that comes to mind, mm-hmm. what their life, what their days, personality, whatever it was, used to look like. And then after going through the trainings and the coaching and all of that, what today looks like. Do you have any of that sort of before and after? Yeah, uh, I mean, there are many. I think a lot of it is the awareness piece. A lot of people, the unconscious incompetency is so big. A lot of people don't, are just not aware. So I had a, an, an amazing guy who was a single dad, really dedicated. I mean, the fact that you even bring up a coach to inquire on coaching shows you how dedicated you are. But there was a lot of just unconscious incompetency. Like he was doing the same things over and over again and, and expecting a different result. And like a lot of people thinking that he needed to add something to be better. But what we found was it was actually more taking things away, right? And that when he took things away and spent more time just being present, it gave him the opportunity to, to see what he was and wasn't doing. And his relationship with his son felt better. He could be really present with his son which again, wasn't about amount of time spent. It was about when I am with you, I am with you. Yeah. He ended up giving up smoking because his anxiety was reduced. So that was, he was still obviously an addict to smoking, but it was easier for him because, because his anxiety was reduced because he'd slowed down, he gave up smoking. He was able to then start his other business because we realized that him hanging on so tight to everything meant that he was scared of delegating. So it was hard for him to start his new business because he didn't want to delegate all the responsibilities to this new person in the role that he was going to be letting go of. So everything just slowed down, right? And yes, you know, we talk about health, we talk about diet, we talk about all these things, but ultimately it's psychology. It's about becoming aware of how you're currently running this ship and how to slow down, readdress, and so, yeah, he gave up smoking, he developed better relationships. He, he actually met someone and developed that relationship. He started this new business, he's happier, he's more successful, and all from really getting to know himself better and figuring out a way of running himself that suits him so that he can just be happy and fulfilled and not be in, in the rat race that he's put himself in. Yeah, I love it. And, and again, I think that so many people get stuck in that rat race and don't even realize they're stuck in the rat race, right? And that's the right. that's the big thing. Like you said, more awareness and, you know, just, just being open to that other uh, part of life that is actually right out in front of you and you might not even recognize it. Right. So it's a lot of this terminology, I think that's, that's where I like having fun is using terminology that is speaking the language of an entrepreneur because really what an entrepreneur does, they're solving those problems every day. And the problem of themselves is no different. Yeah. It's just that we're, there's this weird assumption that it's going to take too much time and they're going to lose something. There's, There's actually these three main fears that people have, right? There's process pain, which is that the process is going to be too hard or take too long. There's um, outcome, there's greener pastures pain, which outcome pain, which is that after all the effort and work, it's not going to be any better. Yeah. Right. And then there's um, lost pain, which is that if I do this, I might lose something. And they're the, they tend to be the three excuses that people convince themselves of to not take the action to work on themselves to be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there a time, I guess you can say, like you said, you know, you're going to lose something. I, I feel like 
if I take time off, things are going to fall apart, right? There's, mm-hmm. you know, not going to be somebody who's going to need an answer and it's not going to get answered for a week. Either. And, you know, then things like, you know, again, it just doesn't go on, right? If you are in a position like that, like truly in a position like that, is that a time when you should be stepping aside and doing these types of things? Or is it best to wait and get into a position where, you know, you feel like, okay, I am in a position where I am able to be an entrepreneur. I know, right? So I'm talking, yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's so funny. Listen, I remember someone once saying to me, I don't have time to meditate. And I said, well, then you need to meditate more. So every single person on this planet needs to be doing this kind of work in one way or another. Because when you become more efficient with time, you get more done in less time. So you create time. Yeah. That's so you're true. never losing time ever. Like if yeah. you, if you, if you can imagine for a moment, the last day, the last time you felt really on it, fired up, efficient, focused, you were making decisions, you were getting things done right first time. It was just like, doom, 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 doom. everything was just going so awesome. Can you picture a time like that? I can. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Imagine if you were like that every day. Yeah. Yeah. Would you get more done in less time? Sure. Absolutely. Now, the, yeah. the other trick here for entrepreneurs like you is just because you have more time doesn't mean you have to fill it <laughs> Yeah, with work. That's, that's, that's true. That's true. But the point is, is you get it. And so, yeah. so this is the thing. Okay. So a great example is, is motor racing. So I'm a fan of Formula One. Mm-hmm. So you've, you're leading the race, but your tires are starting to get a bit worn out. And you're like, well, I've still got 20 laps. But if I pit, I'm going to lose probably five places. So maybe I should just try to keep going. Right. We, we all know what happens there. Yeah. It's the same strategy. It's like you have to understand that to speed up, sometimes you've got to slow down. Yep. 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 Because we're, we're in life, right? If you're only going to live for a week, I'd be like, yeah, fair enough. You just go all out. Yeah. The tires burn those tires out, baby. Yep. Right. But this is the life. And if you want to live a long life, and specifically, if you want to actually be working and delivering and succeeding for a long time, not just get old and not be able to, then you've got to regularly take those pit stops and change those tires. All right. So wasn't that interesting? How many of you were raising your hands throughout this episode and saying, yeah, that's me. I've felt that before. Or I feel like I've been in that situation before. I know that I personally can. But, uh, but let's go ahead and recap what we learned today. Obviously, we learned that entrepreneurs can be in a burnout mode and not even realize it, which is incredibly, incredibly dangerous. Just like any business with SOPs and processes and procedures, you should always look at your health in the same way, step by step. I personally use an Aura ring so that it helps me track my sleep so I know when I should be going to sleep and when I should start winding down. So that helps me a lot. Audit your life and start with your sleep. Are you getting enough sleep? How much sleep are you getting? What kind of quality of sleep? As I just mentioned, Oura Ring is a great resource to be able to learn about all of those different facets of sleep. Look around you. Who's happy, energized, and in great relationships? Look at them. Evaluate what it is that they're doing and try to emulate as much of their life as possible. So again, this goes back to the same thing. Look at what is working for other people, learn from other people, learn from other situations and put yourself in those same types of positions. 
separate your work from your life. So when you go home, be a father, be a husband, be a, a brother, be a friend, be a mother. Don't worry about always constantly working. You need to have that separation, that, that ability to be able to leave work behind. Have a stress management strategy. That can be any number of different things. That could be going for a walk. That could be going to the gym. Maybe you're into some type of sports. For me, I like to play volleyball. I play volleyball a few times a week. So that's my stress management outlet. Decompress each hour and step away from the computer, maybe five, 10 minutes. Uh, drink a water, get a drink of water, go for a short walk. You know, just time to separate yourself from that intense concentration. What I found is after I do this, I'm able to come back and I'm that much more focused. I'm able to, I might be, you know, banging my head against the wall trying to solve some type of a problem or, uh, you know, get past some type of a challenge. And after I take that walk or that short break, there's a moment of clarity and I'm able to get right back to whatever it is that I was doing. Obviously, this has been said many, many times over, but really limit yourself before you go to bed to any type of screen time. So they can be phone, computer, TV. The blue light in the screens is not natural. You don't want that getting into your eyes shortly before sleep. You'll notice, and again, if you have the Ura Ring and you start doing this, your sleep scores and your sleep ability is going to go through the roof. So again, avoid those screen times. And then take time to be present in your relationships. Again, with technology today, so many times we feel like we have to be connected all the time. You're scrolling through social or you're responding to someone or you're listening to you know, podcasts or listening to music. You're not present in the moment with either the, yourself, your own thoughts, or whoever it is that's in your life with you. So take some time to step away from the technology completely. If you want to learn more from James, reach out to him at james at thegrowthedge.com or go and check out his website, thegrowthedge.com. He loves hearing from entrepreneurs and helping people get through the challenges that they may be having. If you want to understand what the wealthy do, head over to Invest in Square Feet and sign up for our monthly powwows where we get together and we go over some of the things that you should know as a passive investor into multifamily real estate. A lot of it has to do with terminology and learning the things that you may not necessarily understand, the steps along the way, what to look for, how to evaluate deals, all of that stuff we talk about during our monthly powwows. Invest in Square Feet drops every Wednesday and we are available on whatever podcast platform it is that you use. <laughs>